Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. I've reached the point in my life where I want to be about what God's about. I've reached the point in my life where I want to love what God loves. Is there anybody in here today that'll say, I want to love what God loves? I mean, I want to be about God's business. In fact, I've given my life to be about what God's about. I've given my life to be about what is on his agenda. And I, I find many people say the same thing. I mean, I want to love what God loves, but when it comes to the very things that God loves, they don't. You see, if we want to love what God loves, we have to be about what he is about. I'm going to say this. God loves the church. And and we have a lot of believers that walk around America that are jaded against the church. When I say the word church, it can bring a flood of emotions to your life. It, it, it might bring good memories, but it can also bring bad memories. But without, even with the imperfections of the church, even with church her, even with all that goes on in the church, God still loves it. God is still in love with the church and all of its faults and all of its hypocrisy. God loves the church. I want to be a person that loves what God loves. You see, we show people we love or we, we show people we love them by loving the things that they love. I remember uh, just about maybe five years ago, um, there, there was this girl, she, she caught my eye. She goes by the name of Mackenzie Ray Howell now because God has been so good and so faithful. And she caught my eye and uh, so we started dating and, and she loves Disney. I mean, if you look at our Facebook or Instagram, you probably think we both love Disney. But the truth is growing up, I, I, was, I was that guy, I, Disney's 15 minutes down the road. You know, when you live so close to something growing up, it kind of loses its wonder. And so the magic that is Disney World was just sort of like, I'm going to pay $150 to to go and enjoy a day waiting in long lines, sweating to death. And and I, I, I didn't love it. Why? Because it had lost a little wonder. In fact, we actually went to, to Disney yesterday with a friend of ours who, who's from New York. And every year for vacation, their family went on vacation to Disney World. Now, if you've grown up in Florida, you know, we don't go on vacation to Disney World. We leave. We get as far away from Disney as we can. But I tell you what, I, I liked this girl, Mackenzie, and I, I wanted to, to do something that she liked. So for Christmas, I bought us Disney passes, like, like year-long passes. And Disney has been slowly sucking the life out of my bank account every single month for the last five years. Because, you know, they, they, I'm, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. They make the, the, like the, the startup fee so much that you never want to have to pay that fee again. So I'm going, well, I can just stick with this monthly payment. It'll be all right. But I, I, I tell you what, I, I liked McKinsey, and I fell in love with McKinsey. And you know what I actually fell in love with? Disney. 
I love Disney. Because I love someone that loves something and I grew to love that thing because I love that person. It's the same way with God. When we fall in love with God, we should and we will fall in love with what God loves. See, when you fall in love with God, you're going to fall in love with what he's about. When you fall in love with Jesus, you're going to fall more in love with righteousness. When you fall in love with Jesus, you're going to fall more in love with holiness. Why? Because you got to love what they love. And God loves the church. I, I love this fact about the church is this, is that when I love my church, I love God's church. By you faithfully serving, by you faithfully attending, by you faithfully coming and being a part of this church, what you're doing is saying, when I love Glad Tidings, when I love GT, I'm not just loving this building. I'm actually loving God's church. I'm loving God's kingdom. I'm loving God's people. So welcome to week one of our new sermon series called, I Love My Church. The scripture tells us about this love that God has for his church and it starts in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's when Solomon is, is, is building the temple. God says this about the temple. I have chosen this temple, set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. God loves his house. In fact, it says that the church, the temple of God, is dear to his heart. See, before we can fully appreciate something, we sometimes have to learn fully what it is. Before I could fully appreciate the hot summers at Disney World, I had to learn to love. Why is it that my wife loves this place? It's not that she fell in love with the long lines and the, the hot sun and, 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 and the miserable kids crying all day. There were things that she felt in love about Disney World. So I had to understand what is it that makes this place so magical. And when I can figure out what makes this place so magical and fully understand it, I can then fully love it. So let's start with this. What is the church? Well, our word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia. It's used in the New Testament to identify the community of believers in Jesus Christ. Simply put, the church is God's people. You and I are the church. You are the church. Ecclesia literally means the assembly, congregation, or meeting together. It's similar to the term used in the Old Testament referring to experiences such as the day of the assembly, the Lord's congregation, or meeting before the Lord. Ecclesia is a description not of just a place, but of a people. You see, the church is more than a building. The church is a living movement. The church is a movement that God has breathed life on, that God has put his spirit on to bless the people of the world. Yeah. See, the church is the body of believers with Jesus as the head in action in the world. Did you know that wherever you go, the church goes? When you go to work, the church goes to work. 
When you go, to go, go, go home with your family, the church goes home with the family. When you go over to your friend's house, the church goes, why? Because it's not just a building. The church is a movement of God's people. Now, we're gonna talk about one coin, but how many know with every coin, there's two sides of a coin? The church is this, is, is, is a movement, is you are the church, but the other side of the coin is, what is a church? See, a church is the other side of the exact same coin of what the church is. Two sides of the same coin. See, a church is a body of believers with a governmental structure to help provide daily discipleship to the believers. Pastors, elders, leaders, and people using their gifts to build the local gathering of believers as a church. And when I talk about a church, I'm talking about the local church. And the church is meant to be localized because the localization of the church is what sees the great commission of making disciples in every city, in every nation, in every tribe of reality. So this church is about making disciples. Why do we gather on Sundays? Why do we have small groups? Why do we have Wednesday night service? Why do we do outreaches? It's about discipleship being made at a localized level. And the reason I'm showing the two sides of the coin that's called the church is because this. We can't fully be the church without being a part of a church. We can't fully be the church without being a part of, of a church. You, you, you can't like the tail side and not have the head side of the coin. If you want the coin, you gotta have both. The theologian P.T. O'Brien points out like this. He says, in the centuries before the New Testament, the term ecclesia was used for, for political gatherings. And it was the assembly of, of full citizens gathering together. But ecclesia only existed when it actually assembled. Ecclesia was only called ecclesia when people actually gathered together. That if we're going to be the church, we cannot, as, as Hebrews says, forsake the gathering of believers. Because it's through assembling at a church that we can then be called the church because in a church is where we're discipled and hear the story of Jesus and we get empowered to actually be the church in a world that is dying and in need of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna spend the rest of the day talking about this statement. That if we're going to be fully who God wants us to be, we have to understand the importance of why we go to church. More than tradition, more than it's something good to do on Sundays, more than it teaches our kids just good morals, more than hanging out. So we're going to answer the age-old question, why do we go to church? We've all asked that to ourselves. Growing up, you, know, you might have asked your parents, why do we have to go to church all the time? Maybe you're a new believer, and maybe you got saved not too long ago, or, or maybe you, you've never been told, why should you go 
to church, I pray today that we'll be able to answer that question simply and you'll be able to leave this place loving what God loves, loving the things of God. Why? Because you've fallen more in love with Jesus. So why do we go to church? Number one is this. We go to church for ourselves. We go to church for ourselves. You need church. In fact, God said this over you. He, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. You're going, God never told me that. Well, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we, we know the story. God creates man. It's God and man in the garden. And he says this. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So th 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 this might wreck some of your theology in just a moment. Imagine, it was man and it was God. That's all man had and God said, this isn't good. How many Christians do you hear that say, you know, all I need is God, I don't need the church. If it's me and God, we can take on anything. Well, God would say, it's not good for you to be alone. I gotta make a helper. I have made a helper for you. And more than just a man and woman relationship, I believe this is true. God doesn't desire for Christians to be alone. He has created a helper called the church, called the body of believers for every Christian so that we won't be on an island by ourselves, but rather we will be, have people People that will help us on our walk in life with Jesus. Can somebody give God praise for saying, God, thank you for giving me a helper called the church. It's not good for, for man to be alone. You see, community isn't man's idea, it's God's. A thousand years ago, it didn't, it didn't go like this. It did not go like this. Where a thousand years ago, you know, you got a priest or a pastor and he's going, oh man, we got 20 people here. I need to figure out how to get more people. So we're going to tell people they got to go to church, do this, do that. It, this isn't a man's idea to build community. This is God's idea that he created at the beginning of creation. Yeah, Relationship isn't, isn't our idea. This is God's idea. Good. You see, the idea that, that we don't need anyone else and can do life alone is a lie from the enemy to keep us on an island. If the enemy can get you isolated, he can take you out. It's, it's, it's like the lion that's prowling at the antelope. When the antelope are together, their chances of survival are greater. But if the lion can just get one of the antelope to, to go away from the herd, it can take it out. And the enemy wants the believers of God to be isolated on an island. What does God say is good for man to be in harmony with God and harmony with others? So going to church, serving in church, being around other believers is important for our own spiritual growth. Why? Because we need other people. We need other people. Why do we go to church? Because it teaches us and our children how to gather with people that are not like us. 
Looking across this room, I see people of every age, of every race, and of every sex. I see people that don't look like me. And honestly, that if we didn't have church, I might not know who you are or be friends to you. I wouldn't naturally gravitate to you. But the beauty of the church is this, is it gathers people from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, all economic statuses, and brings them together and says, hey, we might have a lot of differences. We might not think the same politically. We might not have the same interests. But one thing we do have in common is that we believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, in a world that wants to separate people in groups, the church unifies people from every background together. And God has strategically put you in this church with people not like you so that you will grow. So that those people that are not like you will grow you. I love glad tidings because it's multicultural, multi-generational, and it ain't gonna change. We're gonna have people from every status, every race, why? Because when God looks at his people, he's not looking at the color of their skin, he's looking at the color of the blood of Jesus Christ. And there is something that unifies us greater than our differences, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. Can somebody give God praise this morning for putting you in a place of people that are different than you. See, Proverbs says it's like this, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. You can't sharpen yourself. You, a knife can't sharpen itself. And the same is true with our own lives, that there has to be a little bit of resistance on the iron from another piece of iron for it to get sharp. The people that are rubbing you the wrong way isn't God telling you to no, go to another church. It's actually God sharpening you, rubbing you against resistance, allowing the iron of somebody else to sharpen your life and making you stronger, making you grow, making you sharper. You see, iron only sharpens iron when one piece is willing to lose a little bit of itself. The small group that I joined, there's nobody like me. Good. You'll be uncomfortable. You'll be rubbed the wrong way. You'll hear different perspectives. You'll see people's different backgrounds. It's a good thing. It's iron sharpening iron. See, we go to church because it makes us sharper. And the sharper you are, the more versatile in the kingdom of God you can be used for what God wants to use you for. So why do we go to church? We go to church for ourselves. Number two is this. We go to church for others. The early believers in Acts, they they, they took the idea of church being about others to a whole new level. And we get a small glimpse in Acts chapter two about it. It says this in verse 42, all the believers, notice that word all, not some, all of them devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. 
There are four things. This isn't my notes, but there are four things that the church has to be about. The first thing is this, is that as believers, we should devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. When pastor preaches, we should devote ourselves to what is being said. And if there's something we don't like in it, we should say, all right, God, change this in me. We need to devote ourselves to fellowship. What is fellowship? It is the Christian word for community. It is us coming together. It's hanging out. It's spending time together. We need to share meals together. And the Lord's Supper, what does that mean? We need to do life together. We need to be, take communion together. And the fourth thing is this, we need to pray together. Well, we're going to have an opportunity to pray together as a church next Sunday night, revival night. I mean, we're going to pray and pursue, pursue God. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The book in the church of Acts was about other people. Their, their view of church was, was man, whatever I have, may it be a benefit to someone else. May, may, when we gather, may, may there be harmony in the mix. May, may there be unity in the mix. See, we, we don't go to church for our own comfort. We go to church to meet the needs of other people. See, when you serve every week, when you attend every week, what is happening? You're not just coming and sitting in pews and raising your hands in worship service and, and saying amen in a sermon and coming down the altar at the end. You're not just doing that. You're actually creating an environment and an atmosphere for people that don't know Jesus to go, oh my goodness, God is here. God has moved in hundreds of people's lives all across this room. Maybe if he did it for them, he could do it for me. Your church attendance is way more important, way more beyond just you getting a good little message and making some notes. It's actually you coming and saying, you know, there might be somebody at church today that needs me just to smile at them, needs me to give them a hug, needs to know that they are beautifully and wonderfully made. I'm going to be a person that shows up and creates an atmosphere for other people to encounter the word and the presence of God. We don't go to church just for ourselves. We go to church for others. But so much of our American Christianity is about how the church can meet our needs. And I've been victim to this. I remember going to college. And, and I'm just going to be honest with you. The cool thing about going to college and, 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 and living away was like, man, I get to go to any church I want. I, I, I get to go anywhere. And, and there was, a, there was a, a chapel one day, and the professor was speaking, and after the chapel, they had, they had these, uh, about 100 churches come, they set up tables, they were just in the community, they set up tables, and uh, it, they, they were in essence saying, hey, we want you to come to our church, you're a ministry student, why don't you come, you can get some ministry experience at our church, and, and uh, naturally, the students wanted to gravitate to one or two churches in the community, and the pastor, the, the professor gave us this charge, and it's never left my mind. He said, in a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to pick to go to a church. And he said this. He said, don't go to a church that you want to go to. Go to a church that needs you. 
Anybody can go to a church they like. But God's called us not to go to church for our own comfort, but to be about other people. This is a church that needs you. This is a church that needs you so that we can give over a million dollars a year to missions. This is a church that needs you so that we can serve our community practically on a weekly basis and on events. This is a church that that needs you. And church is way more than just music and, oh, the preacher preached pretty good, so maybe I'll go to that church. Well, if you don't like my preaching, pastor's back next week, so you ain't got to worry about it. And if, and if I step on your toes, that's all right. I just go back to singing songs next week, so it's good. He can clean up the mess, right? <laughs> but church is beyond ourselves. It is for others. James 1.27 puts it like this. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. What does it mean to be a devoted Christ follower? It means to take care of others. Now, when Paul's writing to the church of Corinth and he's talking about the gifts, he says this, so in, in 1 Corinthians 14, so with yourselves, since you're eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. God has given all of us spiritual gifts and also natural gifts that he has given us, not just to use in the marketplace, but to use in the church. I I submit to you this, whatever you've been gifted to make money with in the marketplace, God wants to use to build and equip and, 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 and excel the building of the local church. God has put something on our lives for us to use to benefit the body of believers. So going to church as a family teaches your children how to love the church. I believe one of the greatest gifts my parents ever gave me was their love for God's people. And you hear all the time that pastor's kids or the, as the young ones would say, pastor's kids are the most ratchet of them all. <laughs> pastor's kids, there's no hope for them. And it's so true. More pastor's kids don't serve God than do serve God. I believe it's been because potentially those pastors, instead of showing their love for God's people, have complained about God's people. And the pastor's kids go, well, why would I ever love something that you don't like and have given yourself to to love and these people don't treat you with respect, they don't treat you with honor? Why would I give my life to that? And the greatest gift I've ever received as a pastor's kid, but also as a child, was my parents, they never tainted the love for the church by complaining about the people in the church. They never showed complaining about going to church five nights a week. They were too tired. My mom, too tired to be a teacher and come to church. My mom now still comes every single service, serving at fall festivals, a principal of an of, of a elementary school and has all these people working for her. I, I, they don't complain about these things. Why? Because they, they love it. They love God's people. And, 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 and they love to be a part of what God is doing. They showed me how to love the church and all of the imperfect people in it. If you're waiting for perfect people to walk in this store to start thanking God for those people, it will never happen. 
Because this church is full of imperfect people with imperfect pasts and imperfect presences, presence, presence, and imperfect futures. There is no church that is perfect. There is no church that will meet every single one of your needs. But God doesn't want us to complain about what he loves. He wants us to honor what he loves. He wants us to talk positively about what he loves. He wants us to be about what he is about. And, and many times, I'm not the youth pastor. Maybe Pastor Gabe can, can see this and, and, and talk to this for a moment. But many times people will take their, their, their kids to church. You know, the, the parents grew up in church, but for whatever reason, when they became adults, they became too busy for church, and so they've, they've slid away. And so what happens is they'll bring their kids to church, and they just drop them off, and they leave because things got rough with their kids, and they're going, well, our kids need to, you know, good habits, and they need to hear this, they need to hear that. And, and maybe some of the good at church will rub off on the kids. And then when the kids get in risk, they drop them off, hope some good rub off on them, but... All it does is continue a cycle of seeing the church and God as a band-aid rather than a healer and source of our lives. If you want to teach your kids how to love God, they need to see that you love God. It's the greatest gift my, my mom and my father ever gave me. They, 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 they didn't just tell me they loved God. They didn't tell me they loved the people of God. They showed me. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get raw for someone. There, there was times where my mother would cry because of things that, 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 that people might have said to her. Should have never been said. But never once have I felt bitterness in her heart towards the people of God, towards the church, towards anything. All I've ever felt and sensed is deeper love for the people that have hurt them, for the people that, that, that I mean, they pour time and time in and then they leave. I, I, all I've ever seen is just a deeper love. See, we, we, we teach our children how to love God by, by, by them seeing that we love God. If you want them to learn to love God's people, they have to observe you loving God's people. Luke 6.40 says, Jesus says, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. If we want our children to become like us, they have to see our love for God and the things of God. So why do we go to church? Number one, we go to church for ourselves. Two, we go to church for others. And three, we go to church for God. We go to church... For God, so when we go to church, what, what, what is the purpose of coming to church? The purpose of coming to church is to worship God. See, God never intended the church to be a country club, but rather a place where his people gather to encounter his presence. A place where people come and they go, man, I, I'm, I'm dry on God. I'm, I'm dry. My spirit's dry. I'm going to go to a place, lift up praises to God despite my circumstance. I'm going to bless him and worship him and encounter his presence. You know, about a year ago, I started golfing and I picked up golfing and um, I've gotten much better over the last year. And uh, you know, practice does make perfect. Uh, but I'm far from perfect now. Ask, <laughs> ask Brother Floyd or, or any of the guys to go golfing with. But, but one of the things that fascinated me growing up, I never understood 
how, why people would pay thousands and thousands of dollars to be a part of a country club and never go golfing and only ever sit in the clubhouse. This is like a normal Saturday thing. We're golfing uh, Friday and literally we're waiting to have lunch and, and there's people just in there and they're memberships and, and they're not playing golf. They're just a part of the country club paying money. And maybe about six months ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know, this is a lot like my people. They may give a lot of money. They come sit in the country club, but they never play golf. We, we may be a part of the country club because we are starving for relationship. Why do people pay money to be a part of groups that aren't the church? Because they're starving for relate as, as people, we're starving for relationship. But, but the church is about relationship. We talked about it. But more than relationship, the church is never meant to be a country club. The church is meant to be a place that we come together and encounter the presence of God. That when we gather to lift up the name of Jesus, there's an exchange that happens between heaven and earth. And the exchange is the presence of God joining the people of God. Moses said this to God in Exodus 33, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people in the world. See, the presence of God is the distinguishing mark of his people. What makes the church different than the country clubs? What makes the church different than the VFW? What makes the church different from organizations that do good in the community? It is meant to be the presence of God. That the presence of God is here. That's what distinguishes the church from the world. It's what distinguishes God's people. And at Glad Tidings, we believe that every time we gather, the Spirit of God is here to touch lives, touch hearts. And as we lift up praise to him, his manifest presence comes down. I love the church. I love it in all of its facets. I love it in all of its imperfections. I love it. Why? Because I love God and I want to love what he loves. Another thing is we go to church to hear the word of God. We go to church because it's where we hear the story of Jesus. Our doctrine is spoken into our lives. See, I believe that every answer to the questions of life are found in the word of God. You may not like what it says, but there's an answer for your life. Church is where we're taught and encouraged in the word. Start having the band make their way up. I mentioned earlier that when you live so close to Disney, your whole life, it can lose the magic. I want to speak to somebody here today. Don't lose your love for the church because you've become familiar with it, because you've been hurt by people that are a part of it, or because it seems to have lost the magic. May we be people that love what God loves because we love him. I pray today that if there's anybody in here today that's become jaded to the church, 
because of past hurt. I, I don't, I am not by any means minimizing hurt. It stings. It's painful. But God wants to heal the hurt. God wants you to fall in love again with his church. Why? Because as you love your church, you love God's church. As you love your church, you're loving the bride of Christ. One of the greatest miracles in the scripture is not only that God saves us in our imperfections, but the body of Christ, and we can get into this in preview next weeks, but is referred to as the bride of Christ. And Jesus will still take the bride in all of her imperfections, in all of her hypocrisy, in all of the gossip, and all of the hurt, and all. He will still take it as his bride. If Jesus can love that way, to love that way. I want to love people like that. I want to say, I mean, you might have hurt me, but I can still love you. Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. God has put you here, the church, a part of this church so that he can use us in our community. God wants to use me. God wants to use you. And God uses us when we are a part of his church. You see, together we can accomplish a lot more than we can apart. By myself, I can't own an orphanage in Jamaica. But together, we can leave a legacy far beyond our personal lives because we're a part of a movement that started 2,000 years ago where the Holy Spirit just breathed on some people. I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God here right now. I want him again today to just blow on some people. Say, there's these people in Ocoee, Florida, from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life. And I'm gonna show my goodness by pouring out my spirit and using a church to be the church. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your presence. God, I know I've gone over time, but Lord, I'm just. I love your church. And Lord, I want other people to be able to catch what I've already caught, which is in all of its imperfections, in all of its labels, the church of Jesus Christ is so beautiful. I pray you breathe that on us right now. Can we all stand together? As you're standing, 
I never want us, as Hebrews says, to forsake the gathering of the Lord.